Man up in my city on the roof, yeah David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, babe The Providence College Friars Top for the crossover The reverse Oh, baby The rush the Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Providence Crier. I'm your host, Mike Surratt. Uh, follow me on Twitter, that's at Providence Crier. Read our blog, theprovincecrier.com. Uh, Enjoy with me as he is every episode. BOC, follow him at BOC all day. Uh, today is uh, uh, Thursday, April 1st, April Fool's Day. Oh, man. Oh, boy. <laughs> Didn't even notice that. But, okay. uh, um, you know, decided to do an episode um, regarding some of the off-season changes that have happened with PC, like pretty dramatically and pretty quickly uh after season's end um so i guess let's get right to it um on sunday you know first off we already knew nate watson was coming back uh he announced that pretty pretty much right after the season um and you know that's huge obviously but then on sunday it came out that no horkler would also return for his fifth year he said he was like I was reading he was like 50-50 on it. Um, And, you know, I I think you and I can agree that we were surprised he didn't, you know, say he was going to be back earlier. But um, he's back. What are your thoughts on on those two returns, I guess? So, so I think, I think the Providence program needed these positive things to happen with Watson and Horkler returning. I'll speak for myself here. I was, I haven't been as negative or down on the program as I was at the end of the season and having some continuity, even with a season that didn't go all that well is really important, especially in this age of the trans, the like free year of transfers. We're getting back arguably the best big man, offensive big man in the big East in Watson. He probably could have tried out the NBA, but likely would have played overseas. And Horkler is, uh, you know, a graduate transfer. So, he may have wanted to move on with his professional career, but the long story of that is we now have probably the best front court in the big East. And what's really important because we struggled with this in earlier in the year is we now have our four and five spot locked up in, and in, uh, in the start of the year. So I think people will look at Horkler's stats and be like, Oh, what's a big deal about him returning. I think the big deal is the latter half of the year, he was arguably one of our best offensive players and he opened up the floor incredibly for, Watson and Duke when people double Watson they were kicking it to him for open threes and he was banging I think he finished uh 42 or 43 percent from three for the year yeah, so he hit like 17 uh towards the end of the season yeah so for for him to be back it's going to do so much for Cooley's offense and spacing 
because without knockdown shooters, people are just going to double Nate. They're going to clog the paint for Duke if he comes back, hopefully. So it's nice to just know that we at least have our front court locked up for next year. So I think that's Horkler, although his stats don't jump off the page, that is a really big thing for the Friars. Yeah. Um, best front court to be, I mean, possibly, I mean, I guess. Who, who's, who's, who's better? Honestly, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not even saying that as like a homer, like you have the se- second team, all biggies center returning. JRE is probably going to the league. Who's better. See, I was going to say that. Is he definitely going to league? I don't know. You could like Villanova has such a great culture, and we're going to get into this in like the trans the whole transfer uh, situation. But like Villanova is such a good culture that they may convince everybody like, "Hey, we want to win a Natty." Right. And that's that's all I'm saying. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I could see that happening. But, but, he, but even if, obviously, it's huge, right? Even if he does come back, I'd still make that argument. We probably have a better front court. Yeah, possibly. I mean, especially the way uh, Horkler played towards the end of the season. Um, Like, I don't know what took them so long, but like, I'm not even saying Horkler, what took him so long. I don't know what took us so long in order to utilize his strengths. I mean, like, like the pick and pop with him is like fantastic. It's amazing. Like he's a good screener. Uh, You can run pick and roll, pick and pop. And like that opens up the offense so much, kind of like you're, what you were saying. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think it's huge. The strides that he made are huge, but I do think the big thing is, can he sustain, like, what can he do with that going into this upcoming season? But I think like, but I think even if he puts up like 11 and six or 11 and seven, that's awesome. That's what we need. Assuming Duke and Watson come, Duke comes back alongside Watson. Like, we just need a reliable third option. You and I have talked about this ad nauseum in our articles and in podcasts. We just need a reliable third option. And like, I remember watching the, I think it was the Villanova game that we beat them in that, in that low scoring game with my dad. And my dad doesn't follow Providence basketball too much. And he said, he pointed out Horkler. He's like, this guy seems like he's the only guy on the court who has like a really strong basketball IQ. Like he does the little things really well. He hustles. And like, we need that. We need more of that. And so I think it's like, we're, we're downplaying Watson's return and Watson's return is massive for us because you can rely on him for 18 to 20 points a game. But like Horkler, I think is such a chess piece and opens up the office in such a big way. I'm, I'm obviously very bullish on him. Yeah. I mean, totally. I, yeah. Tough to argue with you there. Um, and then obviously uh, with people returning and um, transfers and what have you with uh, the NCAA, Obviously, PC had some departures. Uh, Chris Monroe um, entered the portal. He committed to NC Central uh, to play for Lavelle Moten um, in that team. And then uh, Greg Gant left the program as well. He actually, as of this recording today, um, committed to to NC State. Um, So he's going to go home, which I, I think, which we can get to which I think will, would be good for him. But, uh, and then you have Jimmy Nichols, who also will be transferring. We don't know where he will end up at this point. But um, I would think maybe he looks at some SEC-type schools uh, in return to the Carolinas probably as well. Um, but so with that, open up some scholarship opportunities. And PC hit the recruiting trail. And honestly – probably got their biggest recruiting win since Greg Gant. 
which is kind of ironic. But um, they end up landing Jaden Epps, a guy that we've written about before um, in our articles. But uh, they get Epps. He's going to reclassify. I-, I believe that rumor is like pretty much confirmed now. People, yeah, it's it's weird. People have been saying like, oh yeah, he's going to reclassify, and some like reporters are saying that too. I don't think he's come out and said that, but I guess we'll just assume that's the case. If so, it's great. Yeah. Um. So Epps uh, will be hopefully coming in this summer. Um. In be with the team as a freshman. Um. You know, we've been kind of down on the recruiting, and and to get him in there, if he's a part of that class, that's actually a solid class that you got there. Um, I, I Dude, yeah, it's a great, it's a great class. Like if you, if you look at the, I think one of our hot takes like over the summer was Providence will finish with a top 25 nationally ranked class. And I think that that might've been a tad bit optimistic on my part, at least, but you have Epps, who's a pretty much a consensus four star top 100 player. I'm, I'm a big believer in stars matter and stars matter in recruiting rankings. So I think that's a big deal. Um, Castro is has uh, has a ton of potential, and then Legend Geeter is just tearing it up on the on the high school court. He's putting up like thirty and twenty. So we have a strong class, and I think the nice thing with the depth that we have coming back this year is Portland and Watson returning is so massive because you don't have to rush Castro and Geeter onto the court. Right. Um, totally. Um, I, I also think I kind of want to like check this now. Where does their class rent? Well. I'm guessing 24-7 still has them as 2022. I've actually – yeah, I haven't – I, you and I are on the same wavelength here. I was actually thinking about that earlier today, but I doubt they've pushed him into the 2021 class and re-ranked him. I'm going to take a qu- quick check here. Yeah, I mean, while you do that, quick talk on apps. It's like we need we need – we need more guys that can create off the dribble and score one-on-one against their opposition. And we'll talk about the NCAA tournament and some themes we've taken away from it. But you notice all these great teams at all times, they have three or four players on the court that can create their own shot. And I think that was sorely lacking last year with us besides like besides Duke. And I guess you could even say Watson to a certain extent there were maybe in breed too. There weren't many players that can create their own shot. If Reeves wasn't getting, um, set up for a three, he was, he was kind of a mess driving to the lane. You need in this day and age, a lot of quick, effective players that can create their own shot against their opponent. And I think Epps is one of those players. I've seen a lot of comps to like, this is tough for him, but like Marcus Howard, Miles Powell, and then maybe even to like, uh, like um, a better version of Malik White. I think those are all good references of like a scoring combo guard um, to play alongside a breed and find them and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, I, I by the way, it does have us as two recruits, so still last place in the Big East. Oh, that's but, nice. I mean, but but if you were to get if, if say PC were to get apps for twenty one, um, that would give them two four star or two three stars and one four star. That would put them up to seventh, and I'm pretty sure Creighton is. I don't know if that took into account Creighton's recent decommitment or not, but with they, Ty Ty Washington. Yeah, but he was a five-star though, right? He was borderline, borderline. Oh, really? Okay, so it says they have uh, two four-stars. He's not on there. So, um, so yeah, so that, the Crane's in six. So, I guess, you know, if the math adds up, PC would jump to seventh uh, from 11th there with the addition of Epps. And also, you don't even know where Epps would 
fall in this year's class either. That's another thing. Um, uh, You know, we've seen that before where guys reclassify and end up being a better rated recruit than they were in the other class. Uh, I haven't done enough research on that, but. um, I'm I'm looking at Crane's recruiting class. Two of their players are just like perfect fits for them. They have um, Mike Miller's son. And Mike yeah. Miller is obviously a sharpshooter. That's like a perfect fit for them. And then Nemhart, the younger brother, the guy who went to Florida and now is at, now is at Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Yep. Just like just like perfect fits for them. Um, that's, yeah, that's they, terrifying. They actually they brought that up when when Gonzaga and Creighton played um, in the Sweet Sixteen. But uh, but yeah, I mean, for me, apps like you say, he's like that that new age type scorer like that you see in the NBA create space, um, you know, for his, his jumper mid range. Uh, he's got, he's got the three ball working now too. Um, and also he's just a very crafty finisher around the basket. Um, I think that's the toughest thing probably when you look at any recruit to read, if that can translate to the next level or not, like do those shots go in when he's in the big E's compared to, uh, in high school, I mean, but he but he played on strong AAU teams, um, which is huge, and yeah, he he's just that that new age scorer. And the thing that I like the most about him was I, I watched a video of him from last year, I think it was, and they asked him what he was working on. He was like, "Yeah, like my stroke, for sure. Like uh, I'm I'm working on my shooting stroke. I need to be more more consistent." Um, and you watch the highlight that, that I, I posted two highlights in the article that we had one just showed all his like crafty finishes around the basket and didn't show like any jumpers. And then his newest video is just uh, all jumpers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's a sign of a kid that's, that's really working on his game to get better. He strikes, um, he strikes me as somebody who's like a hard worker like that. Like that's another thing that we need to, we need to reinvigorate the program with just guys who are just hustlers and gritty and just want to get better like enough with all like and you got that from like it's ironic to say because he made a video about his commitment but like you got the sense that this guy's not like infatuated with social media and he just wants to work and grind and like you know me as like an old school guy I love that like I'm tired of I'm tired of us getting blown out by 25 and then five of the players posting like their highlights on on TikTok or whatever yeah I I think I think I know what recruit that's a shot at but uh (laughs) (laughs) but uh no that's okay uh but yeah no i agree um which is funny that you say that because leading into the next thing uh pc gets al durham from indiana um and this is a good get i mean this is a guy that played four years at iu uh with the new transfer rule though can be a grad transfer even though he's played four years uh he's over a thousand point scorer he's been a captain for two seasons um and the biggest thing, when we wrote about that, in that article, I posted an article from uh, a blog, the, the Daily Hoosier or whatever, and about when he decided to leave the program. And I'm reading this, and like half of it is just about how much teammates and people in the IU community just adore this guy. Sure. Uh, he, he's pretty revered. Um, and suppose he's a really great teammate and all that. Um, and he's a guy that, that that wants to get to the NCAA tournament. I don't think he's been to an NCAA tournament since being at Indiana. 
So um, I will say this was a surprise to me. I, I, I For don't sure. Know me, me too. I think, I think this was one of the bigger recruiting wins Cooley had because not only like, I think he averaged something like only 11 points a game, which is, which is fine. He torched us when we played him this past year, by the way. I think he went for like something 19. like six, 19 and six, right? Yeah. So yep. he, so Cooley saw it firsthand how he can play. Um, besides the fact that he can produce, he was a team captain. He won Big Ten Sportsman of the Year. What I saw a lot last year, and I think you probably agree with this, is just a lack of leadership on the court, maybe a lack of maturity. This guy's going to bring that to the locker room. Um, in, in a big way. And that's what we need. We need, we need some, we need some folks who are going to hold each other accountable. And even if Durham isn't a 15 points per game type player, and he maybe comes off the bench or maybe he's, I don't know, he, he's making people compete for their positions, which I think is really important. And I think Cooley has probably said enough is enough. And, you know, the old adage of like iron sharpens iron, get some guys in here who are hungry and want to play and have experience at a big level and see what happens. And if the current players on the roster aren't happy with him coming in, like, so be it. You can leave. Like, you need you need players who want have to earn their spot. And I think there's there was probably a little, a little sense of complacency with the players last year. That's always the sense I got. And kudos to Cooley because I think we've railed on him pretty hard. Like, he's he's doing things to change that. So that's really – it's really great to see. And I think Durham is going to do a lot for the program, maybe more so off the basketball court in practice it, you know, in practices in the locker room, then he will on the court. And I still think he'll be a very impactful player on the court. Yeah. Um, in terms of like leadership, I, I just don't think it was consistent enough. I mean, that's, that's obvious. Uh, yeah. Um, and I, I think this is a guy that brings it every day, uh, which, which is definitely something you want to see. Um, I got some stats for you here from Ken Palm. I'm a Ken Palm guy now. Did I tell you that? That's, no, you didn't. That's nice. You just yeah. jump from whatever, whatever to help your narratives. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just messing around. No, but uh, uh, but yeah. I mean, some people pay for Ken Palm subscriptions, and some people pay for the premium board. I, yeah, I'm a yeah. Ken Palm guy, I guess. There you uh, go. But uh, but Al Durham ranks 46 in overall offensive rating in the Big Ten, um, which is actually pretty solid. You you want to hear some of the guys around him? Marcus Carr is 43. Uh, Trevion Williams is 48. Um, so some good players. I mean, obviously yeah. that was a stacked league. Um, so for him to rank there, I mean, that that's pretty solid. And he doesn't have a huge usage rate either. So he's not a guy that needs the ball in his hands all the time. Um, I think that might be the reason why he's coming here. Um, yeah, that wants so, more of that role. But uh, that's a question I have for you because I don't I don't personally have the answer. So when I first saw him commit my first thought was, okay, is he going to be a super sub? Like this guy is getting recruited by a lot of big schools. I don't think he would come to Providence to be first man off the bench. I, I just, I don't, I wouldn't do that if I were him, especially with my last year of college. Maybe he's different than me, which would be, that'd be fine. Is he coming? Is he coming to start at the one? Is he coming to start at the two? Is he coming to start at the three? Because there's a couple of questions I have for you. Your thoughts are like, maybe is he leaving? Is he coming in? And does that mean Bynum's leaving? Like, this is kind of a scary thought, but does this mean Duke might be leaning towards the league? Or this might be the best case scenario. We think Bynum and Duke are coming back, and Cooley brought him in, telling him, hey, you have a chance to compete and win the starting three spot over Reeves. Like, so 
feelings are going to be hurt. I'm curious to hear where you think he's going to slot because I don't think he would come here unless he was guaranteed potentially a starting spot. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a good point. And um, actually, the Daily Hoosier had a recent article when he committed the PC uh, that interviewed his dad. And it sounded like IU wasn't letting him do some things that he wanted to do uh, and wanted to showcase. And I would imagine, based on the research that they did, picking PC will be a place that allows him to do that. Um, Now, I mean, as of uh, this recording, there's been a lot of speculation today that that somebody would uh, be either leaving the some sort of news was going to happen either another guy coming in or someone coming out um, but um, me personally I think this is about let's have all the guards like whatever let's I think Cooley thinks they're going to keep everyone that they still have I, mean, I hope they, so I would imagine they've already had those meetings so he should have a sense of who's in and who's out. Um, I honestly think that Cooley just did it to raise the overall compete level in within the program. Mm-hmm. Because, like, here's the thing. I, I think a lot of guys – the way our team was structured last year, everything essentially was entitled to these players because there was no one good enough to, to back them up, Right. Fair point. Uh, yeah. It's hard to it, hold some it's hard to hold somebody accountable when you have a poor game and you can't bring somebody else in to take your starting spot. You're kind of just like, right. okay, well, I could pretty much freelance then. Right. Um, so I, I think Cooley just wants to elevate the whole competitive spirit of his team. Where do um, you think where do you think his so forget about who's returning, who's leaving. Where do you think his best spot is on a on a team? Is it like a combo guard? Is it a your point or is it like a smaller three i don't i don't know i i, I think it's probably a mix of, of uh a one and a two to be honest with you okay um i think he will want to play more point um and that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing um and i don't think that necessarily means that bynum is gonna get zero minutes next next year um if you look at the teams and this this is good because it's actually segues pretty well into our next uh, segment talking about mm-hmm. the NCAA tur- tournament. Mm-hmm. But if you look at some of the teams that have been successful in the NCAA tournament th- this season, Alabama, for example, successful season in a pretty good NCAA tournament. Um, they could have easily made the lead eight. Uh, Only in- they knew how to hit their free throws. Right. Um, but you look at that team and Shackelford, Petty, Kinnerly and even that guy Ellis got decent minutes, right? Um, Arkansas, another team, Moody, Note, Tate, like multiple guards that are, are playing uh, in their rotations. Baylor, Teague, yeah. Wagler, Mitchell, Butler, all of them are guards, either at the one or the two. Um, and those teams are having a ton of success. So, yeah, dude. I think that that's what Cooley is looking at. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I have a, I have I was watching all these games and like even like watching the conference tournaments, even watch like teams like Oklahoma State, for instance, like at all times they have these guys who can dribble, who can drive, who can create on their own shot. Like three or four of the players on the court at all times can do that. We didn't have that. No. And 
you talk about cool, he's like offensive philosophy, blah, 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 whatever you want to say. But like, I think he's starting to try and shift that to have more interchangeable pieces in the backcourt. And even like your four man, I think Watson's kind of a square peg in a round hole, but he is just so awesome on the low block. That's, that's fine. Yeah. And I mean, you're only going to have him for one more year. I mean, so, um, and I mean, you look at that Arkansas team, Justin, or yeah, Justin Smith, once he started becoming a bigger man in their rotation, like they made him their starting five man, he like that team took off. So I, I think it can work for for now for one year for sure. Yeah, I uh, and there's another thing with Durham is I. Mike Bryce had his his ups and downs, but I love the line of his like get old and stay old. Yeah. If you look at like say we'll say Duke returns and we'll say we'll just say Durham we'll say Durham plays starts at the point right. You have a what do you have a fifth year senior at point? You have a senior at the two guard in Duke. You have a senior at the three guard in Reeves, and then is Horkler like a sixth year senior at this point? I think so, right? Uh yeah. So he's a yep. Six-year senior, and then Watson's a fifth-year senior. Like, you have to go all in on next year. Like, you're never, you're never going to have a team that experienced ever again. Like that, yeah. that's crazy to think about. And it's because of this unique transfer COVID year. But experience matters, honestly, especially in the Big East and tight games. And like, that's awesome to have that type of experience. So, even if we're Duke were to leave, and you have Bynum playing the one as a what a redshirt junior. And then Durham's a two. Like, that's still a ton of experience. Yep. And I, that's why I'm still, even if Duke does happen to leave, which I hope he doesn't, I'm still very bullish on the team. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so let's take a break, and then um, we'll get a quick word from our sponsor, Anchor. But then we'll come back, and we will discuss uh, the NCAA tournament, uh, what we've enjoyed about it so far um, as a Final Four is set um so yeah just a quick word from our sponsor anchor welcome back to the province crier podcast all right boc the ncaa tournament uh we had our filled new setup this year uh, obviously with covid everything in uh indiana um they changed the days around this year instead of the thursday friday we had uh friday saturday sunday monday um, so, so that was pretty unique. Um, I was going to ask you how your bracket was, but you told me you, you didn't have a bracket, but you were in Vegas. So how was that in the NCAA tournament? Washington? So it was, it was awesome. Uh, I'll give you a couple of reasons why it was awesome. So I, this is the first time I haven't filled out a bracket since I was about 15 years old. And I did that because I knew I was going to Vegas for March Madness the first weekend. And I didn't want my picks to skew the bets I made. So first off, the best thing about going, the best thing about the West Coast, especially during March Madness, when you're watching games on the East Coast, like sometimes like the 10 p.m. starts are absolutely brutal. But we were out at like bars, like drinking beers and watching the games. And the late games were starting at like 7 p.m. I bet it was like, it was a beautiful thing. And also we, uh, we went to a pool party that had a ton of big TVs that were oh, showing the games. <laughs> so there was, there was one, the best, the best part of the weekend was, Remember when East, Eastern Washington was making a little bit of a run on Kansas? Yeah. So Eastern Washington, they're known as the Eagles. And sure enough, when they were making the run in the second half, some a couple guys started flapping their wings. And you probably <laughs> saw about 2,000 people 
no exaggeration, 2,000 people all flapping their wings as Eastern Washington was making a run. It's like the St. Joe's Hawk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Hawk will never die. The Eastern Washington Eagle will never die. Um, I will recommend anybody who likes likes college basketball specifically and, and gambling, you need to make a bucket list thing for your life before you pass away to go to Vegas because it is an experience unlike any other. It took me three or four days to recover, but it was well worth it. Yeah, I went to Vegas once, but unfortunately it was in August, so no end. When it was 120 degrees. It was very hot, but yeah. uh, dude, I, I loved Vegas. I definitely yeah, want to Vegas go Vegas rules. But uh, yeah, my bracket sucked, uh, which sucks because I think this year I paid even more attention than I normally do. Um, I was writing those uh, articles for Fancy Alarm for Daily Fancy, so like I was pretty tapped into all the teams, and I felt pretty confident about my bracket too. Um, and honestly, it was going amazing until the last game of Friday night, and then in the matter of the of the last game Friday night, in the uh, excuse me, the last game Saturday night. So. Yeah. See, I, I got tricked by the, the whole uh, the old yeah. way of doing it. But uh, the last game on between the last game on Saturday and and the first game on Sunday, I lost my champion into like so two of my final four teams were out, including my champion. How about how Ooh. about Il, how about Illinois? Not only like people who don't follow basketball will be like, oh Loyal Chicago Chicago upset them. If you watch the game Loyola Chicago ripped them apart. They were methodical. Like, Illinois didn't even look like they belonged on the same court with them. Yep, so that, there's my champion, uh, yeah. Illinois. Um, yeah. I, I'm so mad at myself because I'm, I love to rip on the Big Ten for the fact that they haven't won uh, an NCAA championship since, I think, 2001, uh, Michigan State. Um, but... So I always love, you know, making that joke about the Big Ten and yeah. always fading Big Ten teams in the tournament. And this year, that league was just so stacked that I like, and there were so many teams I fell in love with that I was just like, oh man, like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have Illinois be my champion. And it blew up in my face. Um, well, the, and the I should have known because Loyola has been a Ken Palm, like top 15 team all year. Yeah. And Second best defense in the country too. So the the funny thing is like Illinois, Illinois, like obviously the two favorites are Gonzaga and Baylor, and it shows. But Illinois was on such a surge, like they became like the trendy pick to like the favorite pick. So you almost right. would have been better off picking like a Gonzaga and Baylor because I think everybody started picking Illinois to win it all. And if I made a bracket, just to be clear, I probably would have done the same thing. Yeah, dude, like. My thinking was, oh, everyone's going to pick Gonzaga because nobody pays attention during the year. And obviously yeah. they've heard that Gonzaga's just ran through everyone. Yeah. Um, so I thought I was going to be reverse trendy by taking like an Illinois, but you're totally right. I, I think Illinois ended up being a pretty popular pick, yeah. uh, sp especially with them winning the Big Ten uh, Conference Tournament. Um, oh, just so, so mad though. Like with a duo like Coburn and, and Io, like how on earth? They had no idea what to do with that with that defense. No, they, they were so lost. Like how many points they put up? Like fifty four. Pathetic. You're talking wow. about talking about a team that played in like the seventies, eighties all year long. 
so annoying. Dude, uh, if I dude, if I'm if I am DePaul, I am doing everything humanly possible. Did they they didn't sign anybody yet, right? No, no, they, no. They I would I would do everything humanly possible to get Porter Moser. That guy is a stud of a coach. The problem is, I think he's become so good now that it's like he's going higher than mass, the ball. A massive program uh, for his next move. Yeah, I mean, so I, I don't think he'll leave this year, to be honest with you. I don't. But I'm, I agree with you. I'm surprised uh, he didn't go after the Indiana job or Indiana. Maybe Indiana did pursue him. I don't know. Yeah, Mike, Mike Woodson, strong hire. <laughs> See, I, I think, think, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Imagine paying Archie Miller ten million dollars to leave, and then, and then you're and then you're signing is Mike Woodson. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that that is pretty bad. Um, but uh, the, the other game that, that I was so steamed about was Texas's loss to, to Albaline. Uh, and that was the last game of Saturday. And, like, so, like, I, I'm crushed when they lost, obviously. And then, I, then I'm up the next morning watching my champion go down. So it, it was a pretty brutal couple of hours. But then I watched that Albaline Christian team in the next round, and I'm like, how on earth did Texas lose to this? I know, I know. Like these guys are like, sh- like they're all stumps. Like I know. they're all like short, like bulky guys. I, it's it's crazy. And uh, another uh, another quick uh, thing with that is like in Vegas, the games legitimately start at nine a.m. Like right. it, it just there's yeah, no yeah. there's no rest there's no rest <laughs> for the weary. Like you're just getting right back on the train pretty quickly. That that's pretty awesome though. Yeah, yeah it is because awesome. out east here we we had to. Uh, you know, wait un- until like twelve thirty, but um, but yeah, like oh, th- that made me so mad. But back to Mike Woodson for one second, because everyone's hating on that hire now. But let's talk about another hire that people hated on, and that's blown up in everyone's face. And that's Mick Cronin in- at UCLA. Um, yeah. You know, going from the first four to the final four. Um, I, I know coach of the year is awarded to the coach, I think for the regular season, I don't think it includes in say tournament results, but I think Mick Cronin needs to win it anyways, because the fact that he turned UCLA, which turned into a very, very like Cali soft type basketball program to turn them around that quickly to be this tough, gritty team is unreal. It's the best coaching job in the country. It's incredible. Like everybody knocked that higher because he was such a contrast with what you traditionally think of with UCLA, but maybe that's what they needed. Like you don't need the flashy, like, you know, kind of the soft type players, like bring some, bring like grit. And that's what he had at Cincy. And also like, it just shows like, he's a good coach. Like he did really well at Cincinnati. He's going to have success. So like, can't really, like maybe this run to the final four was a shock. I think most people would say that, but like him having success there isn't a shock. He's a, he's like a damn good coach. Yeah, for sure. And um, I'd like to throw a little nice stat at you going into this tournament. He was seven and 11 in NCAA tournaments, obviously a better record than Cooley, but yeah, that's, just saying yeah. when, yeah, there when, was Cooley, t- when Cooley wins six more, six more games, then we'll talk. Okay. <laughs> Cooley's won one. I understand that, but, you know, this was a guy that didn't have a ton of success in the NCAA tournament, and now here he is in his first Final Four. Um, 
if, and then, if, if I were to win seven games in the tournament and you were to win one and people would say you and I were on equal footing, I would be a little bit annoyed. Okay. Well, I, I'm just saying. I, I, I understand. I understand. I understand what you're saying. And I, I think the point you're trying to say is all it takes is one run and everybody forgets about the losing record, right? Yeah. I mean, totally. Uh, yeah. Mick Cronin's like a hero right now. And his I, I, dad, uh, Hep Cronin. That, what a uh, name. I know. He, he's become quite the story. It's actually kind of funny. Our buddy O'Rourke brought up that uh, he's literally Hep C. <laughs> oh, my. That, that's amazing. That's amazing. Guys, Hep C. Uh, no, but, but Hep Cronin, really cool. The guy really gets into the games. You can tell. Uh, he loves it. Um, apparently, he was basketball lifer and, you know, how Cronin got into the profession. Um, but UCLA has just been a great story, man. Uh, Jaime Jaquez was awesome. It, and that was one of my bright moments of the NCAA uh, tournament bracket. Was, and it wasn't even the bracket. I just bet on the first four game against Michigan. I saw the line. I was like, I feel like everyone's going to hammer Michigan because I think it was like three and a half points. It wasn't very big. No. And I, and I, I was like, ooh, I, I just have a feeling about UCLA. And they were down pretty big in that game uh and they came back and won Jaime Hawkins was unreal and you know Hawkins has hit a big shot against Alabama to send them uh to the eight um so he's been unreal Johnny Jazang um the former transfer from Kentucky and I you told me you got a good point that you'd like to share on this one but he's been awesome for them Tiger Campbell another guy former DePaul, DePaul. Yeah. commit um, he's actually, for the most part, kind of struggled, but he, he was great uh, in that elite age. What is he? He's only a sophomore, right? Or is he a junior? Uh, I think he's a sophomore. But real quick, the, the thing on uh, Juzang, one, if we're noticing with all these transfers due to the uh, free year, like the immediate eligibility, it's actually incredible how many players that we were like came in second or third place for that are now in the portal. And you think about Juzang, who probably would, would have been a good fit for UCLA. He's a SoCal kid, but he chose Kentucky because of the brand name and Calipari and the ability to produce NBA players, which is all fair. He leaves after one year. Now he's torching it at UCLA. You look at all these players who are leaving these brand name programs that had Providence in the second or third, and they're, they're transferring. And it makes you wonder, like, these, these kids, and it's easy for us to say um, – easy for us to say like recording this but like these kids should probably look at what's the best fit for them playing style and what's a bit best fit for them to get more playing time rather than just choosing like a brand name program because what's going to happen is they'll get recruited over they'll get buried on the depth chart and then they end up transferring after a year or two anyway yeah i mean it, we've seen this twice with kentucky and cal perry uh Kyle Wilcher being the other. Yeah, yeah, uh, good point. Who was at Gonzaga and nasty. But I, I feel like this one has to extra sting for Coach Cal, considering oh, yeah. his team was so pathetic offensively last year. And you just watch Jazang just light it up offensively, and you're just like, oh my God. And you know they're and you know they're starting to, you know, inevitably they're even questioning Cal Pari, who's got an amazing resume. They're like, what didn't you see that he's doing now that couldn't get him more time on the court? And he, he's got to be like, guys, look at my, look at my tournament resume. Like, why are you like, I, I messed up, you know? Yeah. 
No, yeah, totally. But I just found that one pretty ironic. Although he did post. Um, he posted something nice, which is yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, outside of that, then my bracket, uh, I had Syracuse in the lead eight. They end up only making the Sweet 16. But I, as much as I hate Cuse, I just felt like, oh, this is a team like that team that made that random final four. I know with like Malachi Richardson, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, Tyler Lydon. Um, oh yeah. And I was like, Oh, this team just reminds me of that. And so I put them in the lead eight. They end up losing to Houston, but Houston's in the final four, uh, which is another pretty remarkable storyline considering. Qu- Calvin Quinn Sanford. Grimes, dude. Yeah. One, one Quinn, uh, Quinn Grimes, a guy that, that went to Kansas didn't, turn out well went to houston's now pretty nasty um but for calvin sampson you're talking about a guy who's making his second final four appearance but his first final four, four appearance in 19 years who is the other who is the other one with indiana or oklahoma i think i think it was probably oklahoma yeah blake griffin he coached blake griffin right i think so yeah. i don't know or maybe I don't um, know. it was long crew i don't know um long crew retiring by the way i know crazy but uh but yeah uh it, it's just i don't know i i feel like uh it, they remind me of one of those teams and then with houston um just great defensively we'll see how they do against baylor it's an interesting matchup it's a great uh, matchup yeah and them being very good defensively and baylor being very good offensively, but also I, I think defensively, they, they force a lot of steals uh, with their backcourt. But Dejon Giroux, another guy in Houston, pretty cool story. He went to U. He originally played at UMass. Uh, oh, really? I didn't. I didn't know that. Yep, the Minutemen fans have got to be pretty, uh, pretty bummed about that, and losing I, Trey Mitchell all, all yeah. in one swoop. Uh, <laughs> he makes a final four and they lose Trey Mitchell. That's got to. Where's, where's, where's Mitch? I know we're bouncing around here, which is fun, but where, where's Mitchell leaning towards? I could see him actually. I have no going idea. Going to like Carolina. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he should be able to have his pick of any school in the country because he's dominant, dude. Dude, how about, how about really quickly? We'll talk about transfers that don't make any sense at all. How about Wahab from Georgetown? What, yeah. That was like, what are you doing? Like, he put up like what 12 and seven and he's going to be a starter next year. And they made a great run at the end of the season. That makes him, then you look at his final six and his final six aren't like Kansas, Kentucky, Duke. It's all like programs that are eh, like nothing, nothing to write home about. It's just a really strange situation. Yeah. I actually had Georgetown over Colorado and they got, Oh, so did I. I, yeah, so did I. <laughs> that was my first loss of the, of the tournament. But um, yeah, that is a weird one because if you think about it, post-COVID pause, their team got substantially better with the emergence of Dante Harris, um, Chudier, uh, Belay, and uh, um, and then, I mean, Wahab was playing, certainly, but he was, I would say his play helped elevate that team uh, yeah. to make, make the run that they did in the Beast tournament. Um, but yeah, th- that is totally a strange one, but um but yeah, man, I, I, I'm excited about this Final Four. I really am. I, I think it's a cool mix of, of teams. Um, th- that Michigan game, by the way, that UCLA-Michigan game, did you see that air ball by Franz Wagner? Uh, what, at the very end or now? So 
he's the last shot he took actually almost banked in. Um, yeah, 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 I saw that. Possession before that with like 55 seconds left. He like he gets a screen and he has a good amount of space and it's like a pretty deep three, but it's not that he's not that it's not like a logo yeah. three. Yeah, yeah. And he pulls up and I I'm thinking this thing is pure and he just airballs it. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, and then, and then that had led you say uh, Michigan having to foul UCLA a few times because uh, Michigan, which by the way I think they get they, they have the refs in their pocket, but that's a story yeah. for another day. Yeah. But they had so few fouls that they had to foul a few times to get uh, UCLA in the bonus. Um, but yeah, th- that was unreal. Um, I-, I was pretty pumped when Michigan lost, but I do like Francois Wagner though. Yeah, he's a he's a player. Yeah, he's very unique, um, but but yeah, I, I think the Final Four is is very it's a good set. You got four teams that um, have never won it. You have UCLA that's won it the most out of any team. Yet they're the Cinderella. Um, yeah. You know, you got Cronin his first Final Four, uh, Scott Drew his first Final Four, um, and then like I said with Samson. First Final Four in 19 seasons. Um, and you're talking about a guy that was banned from the NCAA, got a yeah. five-year show clause, uh, and, and was coaching in the pros as an assistant. Um, that's a remarkable story to, to get them to the Final Four. So I, I think it'll be fun. I think it's going to be a tough time beating Gonzaga. They look like an absolute machine. They look like a machine. Uh, but, I mean, I hope – Either I hope UCLA beats Gonzaga or we have a Gonzaga Baylor final. Those are my two hopes for, for the final four because yeah. that was the game that we were promised earlier in the year. It never happened. It got canceled due to COVID. Yeah. Um, so and I think that would be a very, very fun matchup. Um, I think it'd yeah. be nice. I think it'd be nice to see Gonzaga Baylor, two best two best teams in the country. Why not? Let's see them square off. That'd be a lot of fun. And it's it's and fun, it would be a first-time champion too. So yeah, true. Yeah, I, w- I wish they wouldn't start these games at like nine thirty on these shows. <laughs> it's like it's so it, silly. It's pretty crazy too because like, in you're in the Midwest, so it's only an hour difference. So like, yeah. these guys are playing late. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, should be a good Final Four. Um, expect some content from us. You mm-hmm. know, if, if we start hearing some more things about the ins and outs of the transfer portal and all that. So we've been hearing, so we've been hearing that um, there might be another transfer out of the program, right? That's been the rumors. And there's been some rumors we might get one or two more transfers in. So we've been putting out a lot of content. Hope everybody's appreciated it. Um, We enjoy writing all that stuff. It's a fun time. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I think we're waiting on the transfer out couple transfers in and the decision on Duke and then we can go full steam ahead for next year because I think there's a lot of I think all the pessimism from last year is out the window which is nice yeah I mean yeah spring's here man I'm excited yeah let's just put this whole I'm double vaccinated now so I'm good to go uh let's put this whole thing behind us and um before we'll before we know it we'll be back at the dunk um I got my free year of season tickets. Well, I'm calling it free. I paid for it last year. Yeah, and you didn't. Uh, <laughs> but I, I got to roll it over. So I, if I, I look at it as a free season then. Uh, I'm, ex- uh, I'm very excited. So 
yeah. that's all I got. You got anything else? No, this was fun. Thanks for, uh, thanks for everybody for reading our stuff and listening. We enjoyed doing it. And any recommendations or anything you want us to write or talk about, let us know. Yep. Again, follow me uh, at Providence Crier. Follow him at BOC all day. All right, that's it. See you, Friday, man. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke when I'm way up on the hoop, eh? Cross over, I might go to LEU. Heard they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school. PC, you know we on go, eh? Feel like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, eh? Fall down, bounce back like Amy Hope, eh? I'm the alpha dog, Diallo. They was sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage. And you see me bumping, so we gon' let them have it, yeah. They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic. This year we taking over March Madness. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke, when I'm way above the hoop, eh? Cross over, I might throw the alley you. But they sleeping on me while well, I take them back to school. Man up in my city, I'm the truth.